Let me read from Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the the power of your word its clarity to speak into our hopeless situations. And so as we come, Lord, I pray that you would confront us with the the doubts that we have, with the fears that we hold on to. Lord, that we would see the, the power of your word, the hope of the gospel announced here through through Ezekiel. And so Lord, let us see the ministry of our Savior, Jesus Christ himself. We come praying in Jesus's name. Amen. The toe bone's connected to the foot bone. The foot bone's connected to the heel bone. The heel bone's connected to the ankle bone. Now hear the word of the Lord. You know the song. Ezekiel raised them dry bones. You know the song, right? It's a song we teach our children to sing. But, but I wonder, with that image of sort of the, the elementary school skeleton that might pop into our heads, have we... Have we simplified the song? It's an old spiritual. And so when it was first sung, it wasn't merely an anatomy lesson because just to get through the foot bones would take us quite a while. No, it's not an anatomy lesson. It's not merely a a children's song. It is a defiant song of hope. It's a spiritual 
A spiritual is a song of resurrection hope for an oppressed people. Right here, right now, there is hope for us. Consider what God had what God has done in the valley of dry bones, God brings life. See, Ezekiel's vision proves to us that God has not abandoned his people. There's a powerful and defiant hope in this image, even in the simplicity of that song, that we are commanded now to hear the word of the Lord. Because consider the scene. Ezekiel, we're we're told here, is taken by the Spirit of the Lord, set in the middle of a valley. This vision, this experience of Ezekiel, taken by God's Spirit and put in a valley. And and look at how it's described. A valley full of bones. And then Ezekiel, whose ministry we know is as a prophet, but he is a priest. A priest who should have no contact with the dead. A priest who should not be in the presence of a corpse. Who should not be here where these bones are. But what does God do? Look at verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord led me back and forth among the bones. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. These are un buried bodies. This is the the scene of slaughter, the aftermath of a great battle. Because in, in the Old Testament, you would not leave a body unburied. It's disgraceful. It's, it's the image of God's punishment. Actually, if you, if you were to flip back toward the beginning of your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 28, God gives this, this warning Through Moses. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, we're told that if you do not obey the Lord your God, if you do not carefully follow his commands and decrees, then all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. See, Deuteronomy is a book filled with great blessing, but also a a huge warning. And, And Deuteronomy 28, now verse 25. This is the vision of God's judgment. This is what God says will take place. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven. You will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and there will be no one to frighten them away. Ezekiel has stepped into the valley of bones. The buzzards have done their work. The animals have dragged these bones. All that is left are dry bones. One commentator describes this is death in all of its horror, finality, and intensity. This isn't a children's story. This is a horrific scene, a scene of hopelessness, devastation, and death. On September 11th, 2001, the police and fire departments of New York City sent out a request for help. Thousands of officers from the region mobilized 
outside the city. My dad was a chaplain with the police department in our hometown in Medford, New Jersey. He's sent with a contingent of officers. They gather across the river from the city ready to help. The ferries are prioritizing medical personnel into the city, but my dad is chosen with a few other police officers to go in the midst of the burning rubble. A captain there in the city then counts out 20 men to serve on morgue duty. He warns them of the horror that they're about to see, and he tells them, if you cannot handle it, walk away now. It will not be held against you. That's not the kind of thing you normally hear from a commanding officer. Normally, if you don't obey, this will be held against you. But even he realizes the horror of the situation and offers them the opportunity to back out because they will be asked now to transport the bodies of firefighters. They cross through the Winter Garden atrium, this 10-story glass pavilion that in its beauty is filled with flowers and trees and shopping. It stood in the shadow of the towers, but is now covered in rubble, glass panels continuing to fall as this contingent snakes its way across the room. The smoke still thick over the city. And then the firemen come, carrying the unrecognizable bodies of men and women who gave their lives. This pavilion of beauty has become a cathedral of death. That's the horror into which Ezekiel has been taken. The ones you love have been killed. Devastation unimaginable. And so when God asks this question, Son of man, can these bones live? No, they cannot live. Look at the death. They are dried beyond recognition. Yes, I know of the ministries of Elijah and Elisha. There are miracles that have taken place and taken place, but those were not people under the curse of God. Those were bodies still warm to the touch, not dry bones slaughtered in battle. And even upon theological reflection, can these bones live? No, they cannot live. They have been cursed by God, rightly receiving the judgment of God. And so the answer has to be no. But Ezekiel's smarter than I am. I mean, his answer to what seems like an absurd question, almost rhetorical, can these bones live? Of course not. You asked me just so I would agree with you that the answer is no. But what does Ezekiel do? O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Because Ezekiel's wrestling with the challenge. Can God bring life here? Well, the answer to that, well, maybe is yes. But that's not the, the difficult question, is it? The difficult question is, will God bring life to condemned rebels against his covenant. 
Will God forgive the sins of his rebellious and wicked people? That's really the question that's being asked. Will God forgive sin? Will God bring restoration? Is there resurrection hope for us? And that's a question that hangs over us still today. What hope is there in the circumstances in which I feel trapped? What hope is there to bring about any change in this world? What hope do you and I have? Son of man, mere human, can these bones live? Can they? Does God have the power to change hearts and lives? The question is absurd, but, but then the command which comes next feels just as crazy. Verse 4, the Lord said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, you don't have to know much about anatomy to know that dry bones have no ability to hear. And even though Ezekiel is here in this empty valley, I can almost imagine him sort of looking around and thinking, boy, I sure hope nobody is watching because I am about to talk to dry bones. But, but the scriptures don't give us any indication that Ezekiel's heart would be as rebellious as mine because he hears the command to prophesy and then immediately verse 7 tells us, so I prophesied as I was commanded. God says it, and I obey it. Although I, I still sort of think Ezekiel's hedging his bets. If this doesn't work, remember, it's not my fault. I'm just a prophet speaking to dead bones. Our expectations here should be fairly low. If it doesn't work, I just did what I was commanded. If anything's going to happen, this will be the responsibility of the sovereign Lord. But Ezekiel prophesies, and the miracle begins. The bones begin to rattle out the rhythm. The song begins to play. The toe bones connected to the foot bone. And he watches this scene as this army is raised up before him. But, but, but even then, there's still a surprise. Even with the tendons and flesh and the skin covering them, we read in verse 8, but there was no breath in them. And so the command continues in verse 9, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to it, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them. I mean, that's an image that, that would be familiar to, to anyone hearing Ezekiel's prophecy because it's an image of breath bringing life which comes from the very beginning of Scripture. Back at in, in the opening chapters, when God makes the heavens and earth, 
we have this description in Genesis 2 that God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Just as Ezekiel has watched God bring, bring form to these bones in front of him, we read that God himself breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. What Ezekiel is, is witnessing here, I mean, why this two-part miracle? Surely, if you can raise bones up from the valley floor, then you could have brought life in one quick motion. Why? Because God is emphasizing the connection to creation. God is recreating his people. This is a new creation equivalent to that work at the very beginning of creation of bringing life to humanity. God is breathing by the Spirit. Whose Spirit? Verse 1 told us. The Spirit of the Lord. That's who Ezekiel is now speaking to. O breath, O Spirit, O breath, come and breathe life into this flesh. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded to me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army. See, this passage offers hope for the people in exile. Repeatedly through this passage, just in the 14 verses we read, the, the, the word spirit or breath, it's the same word, is used 10 times, describing the actions of, of God, the Spirit of God at work in His people. God has not abandoned His people. This is a word of hope, not simply for, for the, the image of the, the dead bones, but for the people in exile who will hear of this vision. God is active. There is life now here because God has breathed life into these slain bodies. Because the vision then is meant to symbolize not merely some, some random miracle in a valley. But Ezekiel tells us the lesson we are to learn here. What is God doing? Verse 11, The Lord said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. It's not merely people that were killed in one battle, even one gigantic battle. It's a description of the house of Israel. But wait, wasn't it the kingdom of Judah, that was taken into exile? Isn't the house of Israel long destroyed more than a century before? No, God is going back to that covenant description, that language of, of calling his people out of slavery, the language that, that these exiles now represent the entire people of God, the whole house of Israel. The ones who were in exile say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. The dry bones in the valley are a picture of the hopelessness the people of God feel. The horror of life, the sadness, the brokenness, the feeling that our hope is gone. We are cut off. And so Ezekiel is given a, a third command to prophesy. First it was to dry bones, then to the Spirit, and now to the people. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am Yahweh. When I open your graves and bring you up from them. 
So this is a promise, not, not simply of return from exile, of a, of a caravan of people crossing the ancient world. Yes, it includes a return from exile, but it's much bigger than that. I will bring you up from your graves. As dry bones have come to life, you will have new life. In verse 14, then this promise of the Spirit breathing new life is given to the people. Verse 14, I will put my Spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. See, this vision is a vision meant to give the church, the house of Israel, all that would call on God by faith. It is meant to give us hope. Because right now you might feel like you are cut off. You are without hope. But remember the work of God. Remember the power of God. Remember the promise of God. He has not cut you off. He takes the dead and raises us to new life. And this is the language that the ministry of Jesus is described to us using. Think of the way the Apostle Paul describes us in our sinful condition. In the book of Colossians, we read that when you were dead in your sins, you were dead in your sins. Like a valley of dry bones without hope, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. You see, God has dealt with your deadness. And how? Through the cross. Not merely by sending a prophet into the valley of death, but by sending his son to walk through the valley of death to the cross. Jesus Christ speaks words of new life to you in your deadness because he died on the cross. The Gospel of John describes the ministry of Jesus, giving the Spirit, using the language we just heard in Ezekiel, the language which comes from Genesis, that, that new life is breathed upon us. It, it, it's such a small detail in John's Gospel that you could, you could quickly walk past it, but in, in John 20, the disciples have found the tomb empty at the, at the true witness of the women who, who were the first to, to witness the resurrection. And there on that first day of the week, Jesus appears with his disciples. He says to them in John 20, verse 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then listen to this, this, this detail here. And with that, he breathed on them. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, raised from the dead, now breathes new life in the power of the Spirit, the, the life-giving Spirit, now upon the disciples. So that the Apostle Paul can summarize the work of the Gospel in Romans 8 using this kind of language, the work of the Spirit bringing the dead to life. That's the vision of Ezekiel. Romans 8, verse 11, we read this. And if the Spirit 
of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Do you see what's, what's happened? God raised Jesus by the life-giving spirit. Jesus took death for you, paid the penalty for your sins, but has been raised to life by the power of the spirit. And now that spirit given to you guarantees that you will be raised again. This is the fulfillment of that vision of Ezekiel. It's not merely a, a children's song, not merely a song to be sung in the, in, uh, among the oppressed. This is a song of resurrection hope. This is a song that encompasses the fullness of the gospel. You were dead in your sins. Can there be any life here? Can there be? You and I are tempted to say no. And humanly speaking, that's the right answer. There is no way for you to bring life. You heard it in the confession we read that unless the Spirit of God works in us, casting out the darkness, giving us eyes to see, giving us new life, then we would be dead. But God has intervened. Son of man, prophesy to the bones. That's the word you're hearing today. Dead man, come alive. You who are dead in your sins, turn from your sin. Find new life in Christ. You who feel crushed by the weight of hopelessness, remember, remember the promise that God can raise a vast army from the dead. God has promised you life. The promise is clear. You, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. That's the promise. And so, so when we turn back and we hear the question, can these bones come alive? Yes! Yes! Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. The answer is yes. The promise is fulfilled. You will live. Let's come now to remember the work of Christ. Let's come by prayer. Father in heaven, we, we hear this defiant song of hope that you are the God who raises the dead. And so, Lord, for those of us that have put our trust in you, we ask that you would be at work in us, giving us faith to believe, the confidence to know that you are the God who loves us and cares for us. Lord, when we are tempted toward despair, Lord, may we find hope in the prophecies of your word. That you are the God who through the ministry of Ezekiel raised the dead. You are the God who through the power of your spirit raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You are the God who gives us the promise of eternal life through your spirit. And so, Lord, we come asking you to strengthen us by faith. We come in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.